0: Welcome to Right Spokane Perspective with your hosts, Mike Fagan and Tim Benn. we opinion, fact, informative, and your alert system. Now let's get ready to rumble. Good day once again, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for rejoining Mike and Tim on the duty of Christian civil disobedience. This Thursday episode here on Right Spokane Perspective. I hope everybody out there is safe and sane. Now, in 1979, Dr. Gabriel Barquet and his team discovered two silver scrolls in a burial ground outside the old city of Jerusalem. In 2004, after 25 years of careful research, scholars confirmed that the scrolls were the oldest biblical text in existence, having been buried in 600 B.C. What I find particularly moving is what the scrolls contained, the priestly blessing that God wanted spoken over his people. "'The Lord bless you and keep you. "'The Lord make his face shine on you.'" In giving this benediction, God showed Aaron and his sons how to bless the people on his behalf. The leaders were to memorize the words in the form God gave so that they would speak them just as God desired. Note how these words emphasize that God is the one who blesses for three times they say, "'The Lord,' and six times he says, "'You.'" reflecting just how much God wants his people to receive his love and favor. Ponder for a moment that the oldest existing fragments of the Bible tells of God's desire to bless. What a reminder of God's boundless love and how he wants it to be in a relationship with us. If you feel far from God today, hold tightly to the promise in these ancient words. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. You know the drill, folks. Father God, you are a sovereign and loving God. We give thanks for the many blessings you give to us. Help us to notice the ways you bring us joy and peace, that we may praise you. In your son's Jesus' name, we pray. Amen.
1: Amen. Well, God wants us to be obedient to His scriptures, and He wants us, you know, to be blessed. He also wants us to bless others, you know, with the way we live our lives. And God also wants us. I think through His Son, we could see that God also wants us to be disobedient at times to authoritarian's that might want to you know, destroy the foundations of a culture that is supposed to be following God's promises. Absolutely. Judeo-Christian culture, which I think we still have. (laughs) And uh, so we've got an author today on the line with us by the name of Peter Davis, and he's written this book on the Christian duty of civil disobedience.
0: And as well, ladies and gentlemen, just a little bit of an intro here. Peter Demos is the president and CEO of Demos' Brands and Demos' Family Kitchen and a successful restaurateur, having founded six different restaurant locations in 14 entities, including two PDK Southern Kitchen and pantry restaurants across Middle Tennessee. Demos returned to the hospitality industry after earning his law degree and is a highly requested speaker on the topics of leading with courage and purpose. Demos is a business thinker who applies his knowledge to the most important pursuits of life, God. Demos brings his biblical perspective and insight gained from his own struggles to guide others to truth and authenticity in a broken world. Now to learn more, please feel free to log on to www.peterdemos.org. Again, that'll be peterdemos.org. And with that said, let's go ahead and extend a huge Right Spokane perspective. Welcome to none other than Mr. Peter Demos. How you doing tonight, sir?
2: I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me
0: on. Oh, you bet, sir. How about before we go ahead and dive into uh, some of the previous books, and then, of course, the current book that you've got out there, which I understand has just been released here sometime uh, in October, I believe, maybe even September. Please, Peter, how about go ahead and let the listeners know a little bit more background on Peter, and uh, what are some of the things that you've done with your life here, sir?
2: Well, so I started out, I, I grew up in a I grew up in a Christian home, but I really wasn't a Christian. And you know, went to church, went to Christian schools, ended up just kind of chasing everything that I that I thought would make me happy, and ultimately ended up going into the restaurant business for a while. Left it, went to law school, became a lawyer, and then uh, came back in the restaurant, bought bought the family restaurant from my parents, and uh, ran it successfully for a while, and then I got married, had kids, and. Ended up getting saved, and when that happened, everything everything completely changed, you know. And once the Holy Spirit enters you, you know, just you can't you can't separate can't separate them from you. And and so, I was just uh, we. So at that point in time, we turned our business over to God, and everything everything kind of hit me when I read Colossians three twenty three, which it says, and and all things you do, you do for the glory of God. And if I were to give you a plate of ten cookies, and I said you can have all of them that means you would eat 10 cookies but if I take two of them back you're gonna be like wait you told me all Uh and so when we do that that's kinda that that completely changed everything in my perspective of how I look at my life and everything around me is that it's God's life
0: well you know taking a look at some of the information that was provided to us uh, by your media contacts it looks as though some of your inspiration for writing and you know actually becoming a full-fledged author here was based on what occurred during 2020 and being that you are in the restaurant business you were really affected by that i can imagine and by virtue of your legal training now in that you're a lawyer you have come to understand that what occurred to you was not only was egregious but was unconstitutional
2: you know so yeah, partly. You know, one of the things I was a sociology major actually before I was before I went to law school, and so during that time I studied. Um, I, I was a my, my emphasis was in race and ethnic relations. So I studied and understood the civil rights movement. I understood a lot of that happened. You know, during that moment to make change. I was a political science minor, and so constitutional law was part of my favorite my favorite pieces of that. So, you know, I became a lawyer and actually just didn't like doing paperwork, truthfully. And so, so yeah, so, so that played a huge role in it. Oddly enough, I started writing this book, started researching this book before, before 2020. Oh, wow. Yeah. I was fascinated with the idea of what is the duty of a Christian to report crime? Mm-hmm. And yeah, you know, cause I, I knew something criminal was happening in the political system, local, local political system. And I thought, Okay, so what's my duty actually here? And then it ultimately kind of led into this, and I thought, wow, this is really fascinating. And then 2020 happened, and we got to see churches closed down, and you know, and well, liquor stores stayed open, and you know, and, and abortion clinics staying open. And, and that's kind of like, interesting. This is, this
1: is... We we had that experience up here too, and I know there was a little bit of difference from state to state what was allowed to stay open and close, but it did seem like they all just took this one one-way ticket to what I call stupidity. And yeah, you could go to Walmart, you could go to Lowe's, you could go to Home Depot, but you couldn't the go to church. The liquor
0: store, the pot shop, you could right. go to the, you know, the strip joints, but you just couldn't go to church. Couldn't go to church. <laughs> you church. couldn't go to the restaurant. I, I mean, were they social? You couldn't, you couldn't visit mom and pop stores. Were I they mean,
1: were they social distancing in those clubs and casinos <laughs> and, and strip clubs? I, I just don't know.
2: Well, you know, that that was also part of it. You know, the logic behind it was so this came so fast and it was so illogical that to me it was so clear it was spiritual based, mm-hmm. you know, because it, to me, if if it's irrational, it has to be spiritual. And, you know, sometimes I can disagree with it based off of logic, but I can at least understand the logic behind it. But it was funny because like you, you'd walk up and down at Walmart and there was the arrows pointing one direction and then, you know, other, but, but they wouldn't go other side to side. And my son and I used to laugh and say, why does COVID only travel north, south, but not travel east, west? Right. You know, I mean, it, it was that type of stuff. And then when preachers started saying, you know, well, look, we're going to classify ourselves as strip clubs and I have to like go up and take their tie off to classify as a strip club. <laughs> oh, right. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and so you're you're like, okay, something, you just always kind of, we kind of were complacent that the First Amendment would protect us, and we got to see, not only did our First Amendment not protect us, but people willingly gave up on it.
0: Yes, they did.
2: And that was, to me, kind of the frightening thing of, I don't think as Christians, we have mistook our silence and and the, the misconception of what meekness is for weakness, and others did as well. right. And so it's like, oh, so for me, this became more urgent of we have to we have to plan on what we're going to be doing going forward. Right.
1: Well, and it seems kind of silly. I mean, so you, you want to continue being a preacher. So then you, you change the instead of the Bible verse on the sign, it says uh, the pastor is going to be stripping the tide this next Sunday so that you can stay open when, you know, you you think pastors would know the stories of the Bible and would know of, of the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's. They would know of the, uh, uh, was it Paul that prayed with his door open, wasn't supposed to pray? Daniel. Peter. Oh, Daniel. 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 Yeah. Daniel. I'm getting all of my, because and it's almost every story where, the, you know, someone that was uh, doing God's work, that, that God's power and love was shown through them, the story was typically civil disobedience. I mean, Moses, yeah, well, there you go.
2: There was tons of civil disobedience going on there, right? Right. Well, even before Moses, the the midwives, you know, in the book of Exodus, the midwives were, you know, the Pharaoh says, "Kill all the babies," mm-hmm. and the midwives were like, "Oh, they gave birth too fast. We can't do that." I mean, it was, yeah, you know, it, and it has been encouraged in order to do righteousness and to protest evil now one of the things that i do think that's important though is that we have to recognize that when we do this there's so consequences to us and i think that's part of the other problem that many christians don't have and i think many pastors were too they were afraid that i might lose membership i might lose something here whatever their motivation i'm gonna lose my 501c3 yeah yeah and my church actually we 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 were fortunate. We, we, we closed down for two weeks, and then, then we did of doing outside services, and, and our governor was actually very good at, at not making the restrictions too tight. Mm-hmm. So, so we, we were able to be a little bit more fortunate. But I think a lot of these pastors, they may recognize it, but I just don't think they actually knew exactly what to do or didn't want to face the consequences of doing it. Right. Well, And, 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 and those
1: consequences, don't you think fear was a big motivator? I mean, because we're, and that's the other thing oh, in the Bible, Absolutely, we're supposed to fear the Lord. We're not supposed to fear everything else in the world, the coming man, the, the propaganda that the media is feeding us and whatever we're supposed to fear the Lord. And so I think by the time everyone figured out this COVID thing was like, okay, well, we realized it wasn't like everybody's going to die. No, it was comorbidities. We knew, you know, the information we could dig through that for 10 shows here. But people <laughs> basically knew that you're going to contract it even if you stay a hermit in your house and, you know, you can't even have your food delivered to you at your doorstep and people still got it. Yeah. Sure. So so there was no reason to be fearful of the virus. They were just fearful of the government. It's almost sinful to me, I think, to be fearful of the government in violating God's laws.
2: You know, in, in Acts five, twenty-nine, you know, Peter and, and John, after they get pulled before the Sanhedrin, says, you know, and, and the other apostles actually said, you know, we ought to obey God rather than man. And I do, and I think so many people in the Western church have have kind of failed to understand that. And again, there's notable exceptions to that. But at the same time, I saw churches, and then there was the the lie where they were, Churches were saying, well, in order to show Jesus' love, and my favorite was, what would Jesus do? He would wear a mask. He would, he would get a vaccine. And I'm like, Jesus healed a leper. Like, where, where in the Bible did you see him staying six feet away from a sick person? Like, I mean, no. you know, right? <laughs> no, it didn't happen. <laughs> no, no, I think, well, and, and actually, that was kind of a
1: cultural thing. There was civil disobedience when God healed the leper. You weren't supposed to make contact with lepers, they were supposed to be shunned. I mean, the, the social distancing law, began in the times of leprosy, right? (laughs) I mean, you did not go near someone with leprosy or you stayed with them. You weren't allowed back into the the culture of society. So, but folks, you got to stay with us because we're going to take a quick break and we're going to be right back with Peter Damos on the Christian duty of civil disobedience. And it's not radical disobedience. I think it's a book about being proper Christians standing up to authoritarianism and also maybe people that are doing the work of Satan. So we'll be right back. We'll talk about that. Don't go anywhere. You're looking at your ballot
0: and realize you need more information about candidates and issues. There are two organizations that you can check out. The Citizens Alliance for Property Rights. Check them out at www.capr.us. And then, We Believe We Vote is also a great source from the Christian perspective on candidates and issues, so log on to www.webelievewevote.com. Again, that's www.capr.us and www.webelievewevote.com. And welcome back from the break, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for rejoining Mike and Tim on On the Duty of Christian Civil Disobedience this Thursday episode here on Right Spokane Perspective. Now, in case you missed out on the first half of today's show, don't fret, folks, there is redemption. You can catch us on a rebroadcast of this show tonight at 9 p.m. on the fabulous 630 or 96.5 FM.
1: Or you can go on the good old-fashioned internet, grab that podcast service, your favorite one, type in Right Spokane Perspective, grab our shows, share them with friends, and you think needs to hear these shows, you know, this issue of civil disobedience. You know, I was thinking in, during the first half, Mike and Peter, about, you know, the civil rights movement that Peter studied in, in his classes when he was in college. You know, you you heard those stories, you saw the stories about people. We sat in, we locked arms, we did this. We were defending the rights of American citizens to have full, you know, civil rights, and I can just imagine decades from now, they're gonna be interviewing people and they're like, what did you do? Well, we were burning down cities because we didn't like criminal justice, and then you're gonna go down the street. Well, what were you doing when you're well, we've we were, you know, defying government and we went to church. <laughs> so step on in there sideways, Peter, and, and tell us a little bit about your book, The Civil Disobedience, because I think as we were going off into the break, I think that we're being obedient to Satan if we obey unlawful orders, like pretending men can be women.
2: Yeah. Yeah, you, you know, there, there's, I, I created kind of a three-part test, which is, you know, are you being asked to commit evil? Are you being asked to do something that is contrary to God's word? And then does the Holy Spirit actually tell you, you know, that you need to, to get involved in a circumstance? And, you know, like, like Amy Carmichael jumping in to, you know, to help sex traff and uh, help children of, of that, that are that are part of sex trafficking that type of stuff. Yeah, you know, that's where the Holy Spirit gets involved. But I think what we see in so many situations now is this rise of unrighteousness that's happened within our country, and and we have to be able to stand up to it. We we want so desperately to go back to being 2019, but reality was is 2019 was out as evil we just didn't see it as much right i think it just i think the the veil went away after after 2020 uh, the and mask came off accept. the yeah, mask is go. off
1: <laughs> we can see the face of evil it's it's been it's been in front of us the whole time we just had, had a mask on and now we can see it
2: you know and, and i think i think because of that i i think we have to accept the fact that we're here you know god put us at this season at this time for a reason and if we're not if we're not a threat to Satan, then we need to ask why not. Right. And I and and I think that's just so so important during this time that we have to we have to realize it. And that's I think that's the first step is recognizing that that we are not the nineteen fifties Christians. Well, it and I think you're that's right. Anymore. I mean,
1: that famous saying, you know, the you know the the way that you know you have a problem, the way you solve your problem is to recognize that you have one. And I think you're right. I think that. Prior to 2019, I mean, we have. there's been economic things, there's been some other things, but the major societal crash, I would say, of, of our morals, our values, the First Amendment, the right to gather, science that made sense coming across the airwaves from the CDC, that kind of stuff, it got shattered and the mask came off. And so now we have to face that evil because if we turn the other cheek, we, we're already... Kind of turning our backs on God at this point. It seems like with how we allow our government to push our culture,
2: and then it also happens from the other side. So, like my son, my son in New York when New York passed the late term abortion bill, he he looked at me. And he said, "Well, well, what do we do about that?" And I was like, "You know, posting something on Facebook just adds to the noise. It doesn't really do anything." And it took me a while to figure that out. Like, how do we actually respond? Well, I don't live in New York, you know, but. And then finally, I, I kind of had to come to the conclusion: we have to spread the gospel and change our culture. When our culture gets changed, then the government changes. Uh-huh. Our government, particularly in our country, is a reflection upon the people. But as long as we continue to, as long as we continue to act in such ways, then then our government is going to reflect that. And I think that's where the start has to be is we have to show people what being a Christian is. i get I get hit on Twitter from time to time of you know someone called them fake Christians. And I'm like, I'm so glad you recognize that that a fake Christian is a pagan. I mean, that by definition, if you're not a fake Christian, you're not. If you're a fake Christian, you're not a real Christian, and therefore, you acknowledge that real Christians are actually really good and and uh, good people.
1: Now, come and, on! I mean, um, those <laughs> all of those you know Christians and Catholics and you know very religious people that are in Congress that you know vote on bills to fund very evil things. You know, they're they 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 love everyone. It's you know, love thy neighbor. Except there's a passage in the Bible that talks about spewing out the lukewarm. I think. <laughs> Out of his mouth.
0: <laughs> yes, absolutely. Now Peter, what are some of the other books that you have been authored?
2: So the, the first book I the first book I wrote, um this is my second one. My first book I wrote was a book called Afraid to Trust. And, I, and that one was actually a book that kind of really kind of is a narrative about about how I found Christ, but also when we started having a failed business and what was what was going on was God was stripping things from me. So he was stripping You know, he was taking away, you know, my, 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 my reputation. He was taking away financial security. He was taking away, you know, friends. And I mean, just everything kind of seemed to fail around this, this business and learning that the Bible is actually a practical tool. It is not something that's just nice theological that I can read on Sunday and then leave it on my, you know, the, the, the dashboard of my car until, until the next Sunday. It's a practical tool to teach you how to overcome that fear. So when you referenced fear earlier, that the pastors were afraid, or that government was afraid, or people were afraid, it's the it, the Bible dresses fear all throughout, and 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 how to overcome that fear, and so that was a big part of that that first book, which which kind of came about accidentally as well. You both know, both of these books were not intended when I first started to to, to do it one was just I just was speaking on it all the time and going around and people said you need to write it down and it just kind of came came to be and then this one here again like I said it just happened to be some interesting thing I was researching and just kind of popped into it now well it kind of seems
1: like this quote that I see on your that you basically the front of your press kit you can tell me who this this individual is in a moment, but it says, Peter Demas is a man who has considered the cost of his faith and has lived unashamed of the gospel, regardless of the consequences. And he was basically saying that this civil disobedience book, this book is not mere theory, but a window into the life of someone who has determined to stand for Jesus, no matter the cost. And to me that's you know what God called us to do will we deny him you know that the, the stories in the Bible about denying Christ we think about what's happening to our culture but like you said the Bible is practical life directions like you say you know operating a business being civil disobedient, how you uh, run your life how do we get back with the civil disobedience and, and with the wisdom that you found in your first first book and the research you you did there? where we can encourage other people to say no, we don't need to play along. We can stand on the solid foundation of of Christ's word, the Bible, and the constitution. How do we, how do we portray that to other Christians, maybe pastors?
2: You know, I th- I think again, I think we have to realize that our life goes beyond when we go into the grave. And so so my daughter, for example, she was her first her first homework assignment in college in in a biology one of the questions was using the scientific method show the flaws of intelligent design in other words they wanted her to prove that god didn't exist Mm -hmm. and she called me and she's like i know the scientific method actually proves that god does exist and she's like you know so i have to answer it but it's going to be wrong and i'm like that's exactly right because you can be wrong on that paper but be right in when you face jesus or you can be right on the paper and say what the professor wants so you can get a good grade. But as soon as you do that, you're going to have to answer for that in front of Jesus. And I got thousands and thousands and millions of years in front of me after I die. So where do I want to put my faith? Where do I want to put my future? Do I want to put my future in 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 this professor who I will probably not remember his name? I mean, truthfully, I can't remember... I could probably remember five or six of my professors' names in, in, in college. Out of the dozens yeah, and really?
1: dozens that you had? Well, yeah. well, and what's interesting to me, too, now that you're pointing this out, is that you know the all the fear-mongering, it's, here we are, we're in political season, and you get those nasty flyers in black and white with red-white writing on them from some political action committee out of D.C. in your local elections. We just had that happen here. So you've got all of that propaganda going on to make you fearful, basically, of doing the right thing. And I learned when I was in college and in school, I could actually, with with professors that were totally secular, thought religion was a joke, I could actually write those papers. And oftentimes, if we stood for what we believe in, it's not just like, oh, we're going to be in fear. We're going to be destroyed. The enemy, the government, someone, our professor is going to fail us. I actually gained respect because I stood my ground, but I gave them a good, well-written paper. It just didn't Believe it just didn't go along with their personal belief system, and so sometimes we can be rewarded not just in the in the you know forever life, but tomorrow for standing on what we believe in.
2: And that and that's the other piece too. Once you start lying about what you believe in, then then uh, it's hard to keep up with that too and it's hard to do that convincingly for a long period of time. I can I can lie, you know, and I could probably lie in the next 3 minutes and and y'all would have no idea that I lied. Sure. But eventually, eventually you're going to figure it out or you might even know and not even say anything to me about it. I mean, how many times, I mean, how many times have you, you know, uh, you know, I know with with my with my wife. If I lied to my wife, there are times where you know I'm like yeah I did that and I didn't you know, I didn't take out the trash and I'm like yeah I did she might have known she doesn't necessarily always call me out on it you know but I just answered quickly and didn't think anything about it right you know and uh, we 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 do that all the time but we also catch people lying to us all the time and we don't always say anything but you're right it does destroy our credibility and but it also just, I think destroys something within us as well you know that that you know all of a sudden because we start we start having those problems. A lot of that anxiety that we that our, our culture faces right now is because we 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 have this expectation of what we're supposed to be like, but it's not who we really are. And when they don't match, it's going to create that almost out-of-body experience, not not in a spiritual sense, but in that kind of physical, mental, emotional sense, and then all of a sudden this, this anxiety starts to take over, and then we think that's the problem and not the source and not the cause of it. It's almost
1: right. like you're not yourself anymore. You're that, it's not an emoji, what is it, that character that was created on your social media, you become that.
0: Yes, <laughs> yes absolutely. Now, Peter, where is it that... Listeners here can get both of your books, Afraid to Trust and On the Duty of Christian Civil Disobedience.
2: So there's there's two. You can always go on Amazon and, and get it on Amazon, but you can also go straight to my website, which is PeterDemas.org. That's uh, spelled P-E-T-E-R-D-E-M-O-S.org. And you can also, if, you know, if, if you, if you want a speaker on this subject or any subject uh, of that nature, again, I go all over to speak. And so that's also another place, another option for you to, to, to book me there. Or even if you just need a prayer request, you can go there and contact me. They go straight to my personal email. They don't get filtered through anybody else. And, and, and I'll pray for you on the spot there as well.
0: That is wonderful. As a matter of fact, if I might impose, would you close us in prayer tonight, sir?
2: Absolutely. I'd be happy to.
0: That would be wonderful.
2: Um, Heavenly Father, we just thank you. We thank you for putting in this uh, putting us in this community, in this country. And Father, we just thank you so much for the opportunities that you have before us. Father, we just pray that you clear the fog. Just let us be able to see what you're wanting us to see, be able to act the way that you need to. Let the Holy Spirit just take over and just give us boldness, give us strength. Father, we just pray that you bring our leaders back over to you. Let them let them find a Paul-like conversion to be able to turn our country back towards you. And Father, we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.
0: And thank you so very much for that, Peter. And as well, ladies and gentlemen, we definitely want to extend a huge Right Book and Perspective. Welcome and thank you to Mr. Peter Demos, author of two books that I think everybody needs to be out there clamoring to get their hands on right now. We're talking about first book, Being Entitled, Afraid to Trust. And then you've got the follow-on book, On the Duty of Christian Civil Disobedience. Both of them are available through Amazon, as well as Peter's website. And that website, once again, will be www.peterdemos.org. Again, that'll be peterdemos.org. The last name is spelled D-E-M-O-S. All of that being said, Mike and Tim are out of here today. We'll be back at you in your face again tomorrow.
1: Bye-bye.